very quick disclaimer in today's episode. Um, I would like uh, to warn you guys that um, in today's episode, we're not going to be talking about the whole presidential cycle, just really one individual candidate. And um, I wanted to make this disclaimer because uh, this is going to be for all the candidates. I'm not only going to do this for this individual candidate, um, but I really wanted to take time out to individually assess and um, individually critique each candidate and you know, talk about their electability, why they're electable, why they're not, and um, and why I like their platform and why I don't. Um, so before I start this, I just want to know that anybody can challenge me on my opinions. My opinions are not absolute at all. Um, I don't want to stop uh, the political discourse and the political uh, engagement that uh, we have as the Democratic Party. And so, like... Um, and even if you're like not a part of the Democratic Party yet, but if you're like a uh, left-leaning independent, you know this is for you as well. So um, I, I love to be challenged in my opinions and um, my assertions. So you know, if you guys disagree with something, just shoot it at me. Hey, <laughs> like just shoot it at me. Um, I wouldn't have any problem. And then when you shoot it at me, we're gonna uh, talk about you know your statement in the episode, and you know just amend onto that. Uh, viewpoint or that opinion so like people can get you know different aspects and different views um but yeah um so let's just go right into it disclaimer don't get butt hurt please don't uh <laughs> i know i'm not speaking to the majority of you but a lot of you not I, i'm saying i'm not speaking to the majority and say a lot but not the majority but some people are very zealish when it comes to their candidates but Let's just go ahead and get this thing started. Um, when people always ask me, um, Jalen, um, as a progressive organizer, what's your most annoying part about the political process? Um, it always bemuses me because at first I'm like, well, I mean, I'm a progressive organizer. This is what I live for. I like politics. Um, definitely progressive politics. So I love block walking. I love knocking on people's doors. And I love engagement. I love engaging in the civil or political discourse with people, even if they have diametrically opposing views to me, man, and like totally opposite, like the total antonym of me. Um, because, I mean, I just love having a conversation about where our society should go and where our government should go. Um, so the the organizing part doesn't really annoy me at all. Now, what tends to annoy me more than anything is not really apathetic voters, but uh, people who believe themselves to be politically savvy or politically grounded voters, and they're the exact opposite. Like, um, you'll have people with a countdown or like a top five, and then top five will be um, Joe Biden, number one, uh, uh, Elizabeth Warren, number two, Amy Klobuchar, number three, Bernie Sanders, number four, Cory Booker, number five. And it's just like, it's just, it, <laughs> like, so it's like you want Joe Biden, you, you feel like you want, uh, you know, centrism, you feel like that's going to win, that's going to be the most electable. But then you also feel that a structural change uh, from Elizabeth Warren is going to be more electable. But then your third pick, Amy Klobuchar, you feel like, a down the middle moderate Democrat is gonna be okay, and then 
Oh, and then your fourth pick, Bernie Sanders. Oh, so now you feel like there's a political revolution going on. It's like, I don't understand like how people come to like these bad takes. Um, actually, I do understand it. People come to these bad takes because they don't really care about ideology when it comes to like picking their candidate. Um, they only care about their ideology when you know we start pushing like real left, um, like Jill Stein left. But, you know, it's not really about ideology. It's just like a game of dodgeball to a lot of people. It's like they're the captain, right? And they pick their starting five. Um, <laughs> and like our like basketball, street game of pickup basketball, right? You're the captain. You pick up your starting five um, because they have different abilities and different attributes and different traits. And you, you pick them. Um, I'm sorry to misinform you guys, but I mean, I'm sorry to inform you guys. But that's not how you pick <laughs> who should win for the presidential primary. Now, should we focus on electability? Yes. But we do have to hold some form of idea, ideology accountable when we're making these decisions. Um, so today's episode is going to be a start of a new series. It's not a series, but a mini series where we basically critique every single candidate, but we take uh, individual episodes to do so. Meaning that every candidate is going to get put, put on the back burner. Um, if you consider E2 the podcast the back burner. But <laughs> every candidate is going to get their worth and get, get that work, including Bernie Sanders. But um, for today, um, we're going to be talking about specifically um, the most, I, I say, the, the candidate with the most trajectile from when he started. The candidate uh, with high hopes, people to get. <laughs> so let's get this started. So Pete Buttigieg, off top, is definitely not electable. And throughout this series, oh, throughout this episode, I'm sorry, we'll be making the case for why that is so from police brutality to the corrupt police force corrupt racist police force um to the racist police chief to his flop of a douglas plan uh we're gonna be talking about from his politics to his past record why people to get is not electable and why he will not be garnishing any black votes um but first let's start with uh his most famous case and that's the police brutality case. Um, well, for you guys who don't know, um, Eric Logan, uh, before it was, I think it was like right before um, Pete 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 uh, Buttigieg became mayor of South Bend. This guy Eric Logan was shot by a cop, and he and he he was shot by a white officer, and just some details of how the case went. Um, on June 16, a shooting occurred outside an apartment building after police responded to a call about someone breaking into cars. The white officer who shot Logan said Logan had come at him with a knife, though the officer hadn't turned on his body camera. Critics say Logan didn't match the suspect's description and questioned why the police would shoot to kill someone with a knife. At the council meeting, the uh, city announced an independent prosecutor would handle the investigation. 
But even before the incident, Buttigieg perceived difficulties winning over black voters presented a challenge, and his clumsy handling of the shooting won't improve his standing with the demographic. Now, um, I'm reading this from an uh, 2019 Guardian, um, the Guardian art article. Um, but yeah, this is basically what happened. Um, somebody called in. Uh, there was because there was a shooting. Um, Well, the shooting um, happened after the police uh, responded to the calls um, about someone breaking into the cars. But, uh, yeah, it turns out that Eric Logan guy wasn't the one who he didn't match the description of the person who was breaking into the cars. So the guy, the white officer just shot him because the guy, because Eric Logan had a knife and he said that he was coming towards him. Meanwhile, his body camera wasn't on. So. Yeah, so you can see why. And, and then basically this is just like a repeat of uh, the generalized cases that we see of police brutality throughout, you know, America. Whether it's with uh, Mike Brown, Eric Garner, um, uh, Alton Sterling, you know, it's, it's kind of the same thing where, you know, there was no reason for this guy to die. And the police just basically were overzealous and couldn't think for a moment and, you know with good judgment. So, uh, Pete Buttigieg just uh, lacks laissez-faire attitude towards the situation and how he didn't really help anything uh, really kind of started off, he, he started off mayor with bad, with bad relations with, you know, black people. Um, and if this didn't make it worse, it, the most uh, popular thing, uh, to come out of these, uh, out of uh, Pete Buttigieg's corrupt uh, past as mayor, um, is the critical firing of Daryl Boykins and these things called the tapes. Um, now again, if uh, if you're on leftist Twitter, you've heard of these tapes. You've heard of these tapes. If you're a Bernie bro, a, a, a Sandernista, you heard of these tapes because we <laughs> this shit is shared all the time. Um, but before I go into this tapes, I would say that Pete Buttigieg, as a, uh, as a, a single agent, meaning like himself, he he has talked about having uh, at least trying to make open transparency for this whole situation before we go into it. But yeah, let's just go into it. So if you haven't heard of the, uh, the firing of Daryl uh, Boykins, basically Daryl Boykins was a part of the police department and. Uh, he was before, like, right. He was Daryl Boykin was fired from the police department because Pete Buttigieg, um, uh, heard, heard that he was doing an independent illegal investigation, or uh, and I mean that in quotations, illegal investigation, um, uh, to see, um, if there was to prove that there were like racism, that there was actual racism in the South Bend Police Department. Now, again, was this found out to have, to actually be like some racist like shit going on in the police department? You know, let me slow down. But, Daryl Boykins, throughout this investigation, recorded himself. And these tapes, they only have like a couple transcripts of these tapes, but 
they don't have the uh the uh the since it's classified information they don't have the full reign to access the tape and distribute it now they are working on the campaign says that you know Pete Buttigieg said uh well you know I really want the tapes to be out because you know any like thing any racist shit going on in my community or in my police department we want to stump it out completely but uh yeah um after Buttigieg found out that Daryl Boykins was basically launching this investigation uh uh And it was a federal, a federal, federal investigation, by the way. But after he was launching this investigation, um, Buttigieg uh, uh, immediately demoted him to work for the city's uh, young people. Um, I guess that's like a youth council thing or whatever. And um, but he later called his uh, handling of that situation a serious mistake as mayor. So, you know. For people who say, well, he was unjust in, like, firing Daryl Boykins because Daryl Boykins went behind his back and, you know, agreed to a whole federal FBI investigation. Um, You have to understand he handled it wrong because it's like, you know, just because something deems to be inappropriate um, at face value doesn't mean that it was warranted. Now, um, like, yeah, like, if somebody is talking behind my back about what's going on in my, you know, city... And, like, they're launching private investigations. Like, yeah, of course I'll be, you know, our federal investigations. Of course I'll be, you know, I'll feel, like, violated in a sense to where, like, because I thought I trusted you, man. But if that guy told me, hey, well, we only investigated this police department and because, you know, there's a lot of police officers doing drugs and shit on the low and all of them are racist. So we wanted, you know, we wanted to basically do the investigation with no parties involved so you know it could be so basically we can have an accurate accurate an accurate clean investigation across the board and if somebody if if, if my police officer if Daryl Boykins would have told me that and I was mayor of Solomon I was like okay I totally understand um because at the end of the day, it's completely warranted to do something like that. And definitely, if you feel like the bulk of the police part uh, department is racist or, uh, yeah, just straight up racist. And just the stack police brutality that, uh, but because think about it, if I'm a black cop, right, and I already have my family members talking about all the police brutality that goes on and how the police... Uh, and they're talking about fuck 12 and how all cops are bastards, right? And then I'm trying to, you know, preach the good news and show them that there are some good cops left in this world. But all of a sudden, you, I found out as a cop that, oh, oh shit, like, no, there's actually a racist, a fundamentally racist system, you know, in my police department. Of course I will fucking investigate that shit, dude. Like, it, it because it's just the fact to where, like, okay, now, with, with you know, when we're talking about, like, sentencing disparities and how African Americans are sentenced to longer time, blah, 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 you can kind of attribute that to, like, the racist system, right? The racist system that is, you know, the prison system. Um, the fundamental racism that is ingrained in the prison system from the slave amendments. You can totally blame that. But... 
specifically with p- police brutality and individual municipalities, it's like, bruh, it's not the system that's racist. It's, le- it's literally the fucking police department and the people that's in it. Now, some people might say it, the police depart- the police force mo- the police force molds people like that. Um, I wouldn't push that hard, but I would definitely say that it, it, it's mind-boggling that you know there there are police officers who still you know hold racist tensions, um, and 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 just uh, for the fact uh, they, like even though the transcripts have not been released, they had some. Uh, transcripts about these tapes and uh, because basically in these tapes they were saying very racist shit um, and they were also saying shit like um, when uh, Pete Buttigieg uh, becomes mayor and like when they have like the force where it needs to be they'll start firing black cops now remember at this point in a police department um, this is around like 2011 no, 2012. This is in 2012. In this point in 2012, they had, and this and uh yeah and um he became mayor in 2011. So this is his second year uh um under his first term, and what 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 this 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 is the part that gets me. Um, the tapes basically consisted and said that hey, when B P Buttigieg. Uh, becomes mayor, all right, blase, blase, and we get, you know, this system how we want to, like I told you guys, we're going to, you know, fire Daryl Boykins, um, and even though they didn't, like, even though Pete wasn't a part of that, and he didn't really fire Daryl Boykins because um, he was black, that ended up being the proximate, so you can kind of see the systematic um, uh, methodical racism that's just in you know the South Bend Police Department. Now, the the police chief is called Scout uh, Scott Ronkowski, and something. And I'm sorry if I'm butchering his name, but yeah, uh, this guy was known to say like some seriously seriously racist shit. And uh, the TYT, the Young Turks, actually um released some of the audio. Um, I'm not gonna play it because I don't know how um true it is. Um, I always try to keep things objective, but, um, but even in this article by the intercept that talks about the settlement that Boykins actually ended up winning, um, it goes into depth in it about, you know, how the tapes are really, I mean, the te- like how you can kind of prove the racism happened without the tapes, um, here in the intercept the recording system had long predated boykins who sued the city for racial discrimination winning a fifty thousand dollar settlement uh Buttigieg has uh said he has never been legally able to listen to what is on those secret tape recordings yeah but he's like striving and he was like if i could i, I would and i and that and so i would objectively say that like even though Buttigieg isn't legally uh uh, able to access these case tapes, he's really going. He's really vying for transparency, I, I guess. But um, and then there was another person. Um, uh, I think her name was uh, Karen DePape, and uh, Karen. Uh, and oh, I'm so mad. I'm because I, I know I'm butchering her name, but Karen DePape, she ended up. 
uh, suing the city uh, for like $235,000 and um, for the same thing for, uh, you know, for the same thing. And so I'm trying to get a, a excerpt from her. Uh, yeah, Karen DePape, a city official who listened in on the lines and transferred the conversations to tapes to preserve the ones she thought were most important said in 2012 that she overheard suggested seriously unethical behavior by police officers including the use of racist language in relation to boykins that's daryl boykins the pape i really feel like i'm missing <laughs> the pape the only person known to have listed the listed to listen to significant portions of the converse converse uh conversial on um, controversial recordings, was also fired by Budigetz for her role in affair and subsequently sued the city and won. So, Boykins and DePape were Karen, or Karen, I'm gonna just call it Karen. Daryl and Karen, they both sued the city because uh, they both were fired by uh, Budigetz. And um, so, and, and this is where I start questioning Budigetz a lot when you understand the details of the case. It's like, bruh, like, why would you just okay? I understand, like, uh, don't do shit behind my back. But for you to understand, like, if somebody is doing something warranted behind your back, just because it's behind your back doesn't make it immorally wrong, right? It doesn't make it immorally wrong. Because, I mean, there could just be shit that, like, just for the sake of accuracy, um, and you know, uh, efficiency, some people just cannot know. So as Pete Buttigieg, I would have then said, like, man, I wish you guys would have told me, but I understand. Right. But no, he didn't do that. He just fired these two people and these two people won their settlement cases uh, for racial discrimination. uh, uh, Daryl Boykin for racial discrimination and for Karen DePape for being uh, unjustly fired. Now. Things get the pl- the plot starts to get a bit thicker when you understand it's now because now we understand the racist system a bit. Um, now it's time to understand uh, the police chief Scott Ronskowski. Ronskowski, man, I'm I really suck, suck at like names like this, man. I'm sorry if I'm uh, now. Rod, uh, police chief uh, Scott Roskowski, a close ally of Mayor Pete Buttigieg, activists called on the mayor, now a leading Democratic presidential candidate, to fire Roskowski following a police shooting over the summer. The city's recent promotion of Officer David Johnson, Buttigieg's South Bend critics say, is yet another example of the mayor's failures to adequately address troubling uh, race relations in the city he governs. And uh, this guy, uh, Renskowski, was basically just promoted. And now what he did was very nefarious. This guy ended up killing somebody by choking them out. In 2012, Johnson and another officer chased Michael Anderson, who was suspect of stealing a mop. Oh, I said a mop, a moped on foot. Anderson fled the police, but he was ultimately apprehended and found to be uh, choking on bags of drugs and some cash. As Anderson sat handcuffed, 
Johnson went back to his squad car and returned with a plastic serpy-like straw, which he then put down Anderson's throat in an ill-fated attempt to retrieve, retrieve the drugs. So this guy is on drugs already, drugged out, and you being mad, you you know this you you decide to fucking literally take a slurpy like straw, and then shove it down his throat. Like what medical practice is that? Do you guys learn that in the police force? Anderson in in, in Anderson, the guy that was choked out, he ended up dying later that night, dude. And then the the death was ruled accidental, even though the officer who stuck the Slurpee down his jaw was the one who preemptively caused this guy to die. And again, these are just mishandled situations. Anderson's family later sued Johnson, a number of, of other officers, and city county employees for negligence, excessive force, and failing to provide first aid or call paramedics in a reasonable amount of time. Though they eventually dropped the lawsuit, the police department disputed the allegations. In 2010, Johnson was one of the six officers sued for illegally searching the car of a driver they pulled over for speeding. A federal court ruled in favor of the driver. So... This guy does one negligent act, gets off hand with it, and then ends up doing another negligent act. Wait, didn't Amber Geiger do the same thing? Huh. She did a negligent act, didn't get fired for it, and then ended up killing somebody. Hmm. That's crazy. I I, I do not know that could happen. Shit. Um, But... All of this shit just goes back to Pete Buttigieg's presidential campaign when he talks about, hey, man, black people are getting fucked over, dude, and we need to do everything we can to help black people, and that starts with criminal justice reform. And it's like, how can you talk about criminal justice reform when you literally have promoted you know, somebody who is involved you know, with protecting a cop who essentially choked somebody out with a Slurpee straw, my dude? And then had, uh, then after that, continued to have uh, acts of negligence on his record. Under Budapest, the police department has also struggled with the recruitment. It wasn't able to hire a single officer in the last two annual recruiting cycles. As the number of black officers serving in the city has declined from 29 when Buttigieg entered office in 2012 or 2011 to 15 in 2019. So from 29 black officers to 15, 20, uh, to 15 black officers in 2019. And in the last two annual recruiting cycles, they didn't recruit anybody. So, yeah, I, I don't know, man. It, it's th- This type of shit right here is just, like, totally inexcusable. Totally inexcusable for me. It's like, you know, how can you preach about criminal justice reform on any front and, like, you haven't done anything to make this community feel safe? You know, you, you really don't even care about this community, according to other people. Um... I actually uh, 
have a, a, a personal anecdote or a personal opinion from a councilman elect Henry Davis. Now, he just won a council seat in South Bend, and uh, this is his personal opinion on Mayor Pete Buttigieg. Uh, this is this was off Twitter, um, straight off of his thread thing. So, um, Mayor Pete didn't know while Mayor of South Bend it would be an SNL skit if he wasn't a front runner for POTUS South Bend. Damn. Okay, this is some of what I know from the time I was kindergarten a kindergarten studio. Uh, I said a kindergarten studio. This is some of what I know from the time I was a kindergarten student in uh, South Bend uh, district uh, it was still under the de desegregation order and for the people in the back segregation doesn't happen in schools it happens in neighborhoods Mayor Pete is the mayor of every segregated neighborhood in South Bend my mother who's only 63 years old got bottles and rocks thrown at her as she is tempted to walk into LaSalle High School in the early 1970s 70s 70s the brown uh versus the board of education was in 1954 the 70s desegregation 70s it wasn't just boston y'all What's worse, under Mayor Pete, watch former Governor Mike Pence attempted attempt to take over Washington High School for poor performance. By the way, that school serves a whole lot of black students. Mayor Pete didn't have to reach way back to the 80s uh, to know that happened. So basically what he's saying here is that the uh, school was performing so poor that, you know, the, the, uh, the state's education agency was actually about to be involved in running the school. This happens a lot. Um, this actually happened to a school near... Uh, in Beaumont, uh, like a couple years back. Right now, South Bend School District is considering closing that school. Again, he's the mayor, still under Mayor Pete's watch. The middle school down the street has already been recon reconstituted to reflect the worst policies of neoliberal education reform garbage. The worst of the bipartisan neoliberal e education reform is destroying South Bend by uh, uh Symphoning off valuable resources to privately ran charter schools and in a payment of private school vouchers. Ooh, damn, that's bad. Okay, so uh, basically, the, the 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 reform that, uh, according to Henry Davis, that that Mayor Pete is 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 vying for it is basically allowing people to pay into like private school, like meaning because you know normally uh, public uh, education is. A taxpayer no it's, it's always taxpayer so what they do is um the land resource if you're inside of the land resource or inside of that district your taxes automatically go to that public school so uh, there's this movement on the right to allow like private school vouchers so where like people could buy in uh and pay for private school uh uh ba basically private school taxes versus their um, automatic public taxes towards that school. But while this is bad and terrible and considered like uh, the death of, you know, public schools, definitely in minority areas, because what this is going to allow is going to allow people who live in these land resources, uh, but allow their, but, but ship their students to like this private school that puts nothing back into the community. 
what it does is is it allows all these people to not pay into this public education system that really means and needs it the most. Private schools do not need private school vouchers. You know why? Because private schools have tuitions. Boom, bam, solved it. Public education doesn't. So if you live in that area, you have to pay into that area. Um, but continue on with Henry Davis' uh, point. There is a thread running through this narrative of what Mayor Pete didn't know while mayor, the neoliberal education reform experiments being ran on low-income students of color and immigrant students are the same ones being ran on, you see, in Chicago, New Orleans, and Philadelphia. See, so this is, like, not new. Um, Yeah, I actually did some research on this a while back. This is, private school vouchers are absolutely trash. Um, mayor People Campaign will say that these issues aren't his responsibility because the South Bend uh, school district is a separate unit of government uh, to, like, South Bend City Council. But note, these students come from under-resourced neighborhoods where there's a high unemployment rate, higher than average incidence of crime, and subpar high housing. Those challenges belong to him. He's felt those communities. By the way, anything Mayor Pete didn't know about is probably an issue, challenge thing, person, community, people, and a zip code of, ooh, damn, it. Finally, the investability of, of black people in his campaigning and governing is astonishing. I've had a front row seat. Black voters ain't wrong. He, do, he does not want to see us. Um, so, yeah. None of this is cap. That's from uh, Councilman-elect Henry Davis. Um, his personal account on uh, Pete Buttigieg. Um, and, and, yes, he's a black person. Um, so, this... Yeah, th this doesn't look good from Pete Buttigieg. Because not only he has a city that ha you have bad relations uh, with, uh, the police have bad relations with black people, right? And it's like, it's like on some Baltimore type shit. And then you have a corrupt police department, which usually comes with this, like on some Baltimore type shit, right? Um, firing a black uh, officer... That officer gets, and, and it was so unjust for Mayor Pete to do that, that that officer ended up getting the $50,000 settlement. Um, and then you have his, that, this racist son of a bitch, Scott Raskowski, um, who, who basically defended those officers who choked out Anderson. And then, and, and, and then now this guy is like fucking like promoted, right? And then you have the last thing that I want to talk about when it comes to race relations, the Douglas, Douglas plan flop. Now, the Douglas plan, when you're looking at it, it's a, basically a plan that Pete made for black people, you know, and for, my, for all my, for all my SJWs out there, this is for us, man. He's just, this is our reparations. And it, it, it has some pretty good neoliberal shit in it, um, like uh, grants uh, towards black people, um, stuff like that. I'm trying to look through it. And, it, and, it, and, it, and it's actually okay. Um, it's actually okay. Very vague. If you look on his website, it's very, very vague. Like, uh, we will designate and fund health equity zones to address communities' most pressing health disparities. Um, see, and I think this is modeled off of, yeah, it is, um, uh, building from early models like the Accountable Communities for Health. Uh, see, but the thing about this, uh, what I don't really like um, about accountable, uh, accountable Communities for Health is that, like, 
it creates these equity zones that will, will create a multi-sector coalition focused on health equity and closing health disparities and reflect the fundamental economic, social, and political uh, uh, determinants of health in a community. Continue, uh, continuing funding to a health equity zone will be conditional. Yeah, this is something you put in place if like you don't have Medicare for all. Um, and but it's like real, some real good stuff. Like we will address the underrepresentation of Black Americans in the health workforce. Hell yeah, that's these things sound cool, but it's just about his willingness to do it. Like, does he actually have the passion to do these things? Or are these just, like, you know, SJW talking points at this point? Um, and what kind of makes it, you know, seem that way was with the release of the Douglas Plan, uh, instead of having two African Americans on the uh, cover, uh, he instead had two Kenyan people on the cover. Uh, it was a stock image from Google that nobody checked. They just looked up black people, right? How lazy, how fucking lazy is that? They they just went to fucking Google image, dude, and said, uh, black people, uh, black mother, black daughter. And then they was just like, oh, this is a great picture. And then <laughs> turns out the stock image is from fucking Kenya. <laughs> how fucking lazy is that, dude? That is so fucking trash. At least you take... Like, if I was him, I would take pictures of black people at my rally. Oh, shit. I forgot. He doesn't have black people at his rallies. Okay, so I understand why you use the stock image, Pete. Um, uh, if I was as white and as disconnected as you were, I would probably use um, the stock image, too. So it's just, like, basically all this stuff about schools of the future, putting in, you know, public uh, grants into, you know, low-minority education systems, investing in equitable public education system, um, massively increasing federal resources. Yeah, it's, it's, you know, and it's, you know, this same stuff to where, like, you know, pretty much all, like, Democrats are running on this, um, you know, uplift minority um education make education more accessible to minority groups uh work with the uh police force uh ending mass uh criminalization um um ending all this shit and so it's like it's something that everybody talks about so but my thing is just like does Pete actually have the passion and does he actually care enough to put into the work to get the black vote not just making this half-assed Douglas plan that's been like, you know, swiped from you know Kamala Harris and you know Bernie Sanders and Cory Booker, um, definitely when it comes to like the criminal justice reform part, but uh, not 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 this laissez-faire bullshit. But is he gonna while he's running from uh, president? Is he gonna do something about the race relations at all in South Bend? I don't know, man. I absolutely don't know. But, man, that... Uh, dude, we're not... It's 30 minutes, and we're not even in a, the third of the way through. Like, oh, there's so much more reasons why Pete Buttigieg is electable. And so, we're going to stop talking about race relations, take a quick break, and then come back and finish off, you know, why Pete Buttigieg is not electable. And be ready to talk about healthcare. So if Pete being like borderline like racist, well not not Pete's not racist, but uh, 
besides Pete, you know, condoning racism in his police department as mayor, one thing that really sticks out to me as trash, and it's his, it's 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 really his trash Medicare uh, for all who want it plan. Uh, this health care is like this health care plan. Uh, is really trash, and and, and and it's a multitude of reasons why it's uh, pretty trash. Um, even when you just look at, okay, because the idea of it, his, his main critique for Medicare for All is that it takes away choice, right? It takes away choice from the American voter. That's, that's his number one argument, and that's what he's campaigning on, it, and that's why it's called for who wants it. And it, and that and that's such a disingenuous argument, cause it's just like, choose what, dude. <laughs> like I hate when people say like choose what when Medicare for all is gonna literally be a gold standard program, and even better than gold standard program. This is gonna cover like the entire cost of Medicare for all. Uh, uh, you know when when you think about yes, it's expensive, but. Dude, that's such a disingenuous argument. This is the gold. This will be the gold standard of healthcare. So for you to say, "Uh, well, yeah, choose, choose," you know, you're taking away America's Americans' right to choose their health insurance. What the fuck? So it's like, all right, so you want to choose the benefits you get? So like, but you know, <laughs> you know. You know, even though Medicare for All is going to be covering the basic rations of care, including uh, dental care, um, including mental health, but you want something that's going to, like, you want to be able to choose between, like, if you're going to get, you know, preconditioned, uh, pre-existing conditions covered or not. Like, he's like, I don't, I, I don't know about the existing pre, preconditions thing, man. I, I feel like I don't want to pay, or uh, I don't... I feel like I would rather pay for a private health insurance that denies me of care because of a pre-existing condition versus Medicare for all. Or I would rather, you know, uh, to have a silver standard program, but I chose the silver standard program that doesn't cover my cancer treatment, you know, so I die. Um, I I choose, me personally, I, I would rather choose to have my silver standard our gold standard private health insurance over uh, Medicare for all because you know I totally fuck with like weight lines and I I I, I totally fuck with fuck with buy-in systems to where like you know if somebody if I have you know if I'm on the waiting list for a new organ uh, just because somebody has enough m- uh, more money than me they automatically you know you know looked at as priority versus me because of their money. So basically, if you're not getting what I'm saying, the idea of choice when we're talking about healthcare is literally, I, uh, is really fucking stupid, man. And and it's like it doesn't make any sense because who would choose not to have the gold standard of insurance and then pay way less for insurance? Uh, so so first, even when he comes out, it's so fucking disingenuous. But even what I really hate about the Democratic debates. It's like when they talk about healthcare, they're always pressing Bernie and Warren because they have the most ambitious pie in the sky plans, right? They have the most ambitious, you know, uh, fanatical plans, right? But I would love for them to press Pete Buttigieg because 
his shit has so many holes in it. <laughs> like it's first of all, the guy is talking about it's gonna be a public option, uh, just like say you know Joe Biden's plan, but 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 the difference between it is that people get to automatically roll uh, enroll. Uh, into this program if they don't like their health insurance. Now, remember, we already talked about how stupid it is to choose between a gold standard public option versus a private option. It's very fucking stupid. But uh, uh, here it goes. Uh, They... But this uh, Medicare, I'm sorry, I I kind of got a text message, kind of threw me off. But uh, yeah, Medicare for all plans like this, um, and I think Cory Booker kind of has the same one. Uh, Kamala Harris, uh, wait, I don't have to talk about her anymore. She's off the race, yes. Uh, but Cory Booker kind of has the same one. I think Julian Castro has the same one. But these Medicare for all plans who like want it, it, it it's kind of holy because... Buttigieg's plan claims it will automatically uh, enroll the uninsured. Uh, uh, but the thing, it doesn't take into account that individuals with lower income in states that have refused to expand Medicaid will automatically be enrolled in the public option. Joe Biden's plan has a similar proposal to essentially go around state governments that didn't expand Medicaid by providing a subsidized public option that would mimic ex- mimic. Uh, ex- expanded Medicaid um, with very little detail as how to be uh, be brought about Buttigieg also asserts that his plan would automatically enroll anyone eligible for free coverage in Medicaid or the public option here the South Bend mayor targets a narrow population that is getting screwed over by the last big patchwork of health care reform um, people who make too little to qualify for ACA subsidies but don't really qualify for Medicare in states that did not expand Medicaid or expand it, uh, expand the threshold. Um, so, you know, basically, all saying all of this, there's going to be a massive hole in Pete Buttigieg's plan because what he wants to do is say, you know, uh, people can either, you know, they're gonna strong. They're gonna strong arm states, uh, him and Biden. They're gonna strong arm states to expand Medicaid and go around those state loopholes so to federally expand Medicaid, and uh, while expanding Medicaid, you you kind of uh, have that public option in place while also uh, amending onto the ACA. Now the problem with this is that you're going to have many people who fall between those cracks. You're going to have many people who make too little to qualify for ACA, but not necessarily qualify for Medicaid. And uh, and it even says this in his plan. In his plan, <laughs> it's like, oh, well, yeah, we understand people are going to fall back to the, cro- the cracks, but we're going to have this thing called the backstop fund. Now, the problem with this backstop fund, backstop fund is basically just saying that whatever, with, with people who fall into cracks, cracks, whatever you don't pay, the government will pick up the tab. 
Now, I don't know necessarily how this is going to be done out because um, I read the plan and like I, I really didn't understand um, how that would play out. But it, it just doesn't make any sense because why would anyone choose to pay insurance premiums in the first place if the government is going to cover the entire cost for the uninsured? I mean, while it's called fucking Medicare for all, dude. So it's just like that shit doesn't make any sense. And it's like with Buttigieg's plan and with Biden's plan, you're still going to have we're still going to be living in a very costly health care system, a very costly health care system that 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 costs um, that um, because, again, Medicare for all might cost 33, 30 trillion dollars uh, in, in a span of 10 years. But our status quo is around 35 trillion to 40 trillion in the next 10 years because Americans pay so much out of pocket for their health care expenses. But even if you were to look at it like this, if the government will reimburse uh, at Medicare rates, which are far lower than what insurance pays or Medicaid pays, which are even lower than Medicaid pays and Medicaid uh, rates are way lower than Medicare rates, providers won't be happy. They will want their pound of flesh, meaning that they're going to be mad because they're not getting money. It's, it's, it's just basically these private insurance like, these private insurers are going to start acting as, well, uh, Pete Buttigieg's intention is for these public insurers to start acting as public entities into where, like, hey, if they just don't pay it, they just don't pay it. And so, but the problem with that is, is that the health, the private health insurance, like, the private sector of health insurance isn't going to like that. Because what what they're gonna do is they're gonna take that and then they're gonna chase after individuals who are uninsured. Uh, they yeah they're gonna chase chase after individuals under uh, who are uninsured even if they qualify for that Medicaid expansion or uh, even if they can buy into that ACA program. Um, they're gonna they're gonna uh, chase after these uninsured people. Uh, say like hey well. Um, if you if you uh, you could like you know do you you could be under our 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 uh, system our um uh, and we'll treat you um as long as you just pay for out of pocket providers. Now the government is gonna like actually like you know take care of whatever you got done your surgery and shit. But you know if you still pay ju- you still have to pay your out of pocket providers are depending. Uh, what hospital you go to? So you'll still have to pay in something. Um. Yeah, it's 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 just. I'm sorry. I'm kind of look over. I'm looking over his plan, uh, and trying to see what else I didn't really like. Um. But yeah, um, I those are really like some major holes in it. Uh, like I said, one disingenuous uh, uh, attacks on Medicare for all, saying that Americans uh, should have the right to choose. Like, like, uh, bruh, I don't want to choose between a gold standard system and a system to where like I literally have to buy in and pay the most money to get the best 
you know, outcomes. Fuck that shit. And uh, his the uh, this Medicare for all who wanted it, just how it's set up. Um, if for if you make too little to qualify for the ACA, but um, if you don't really qualify for the Medicaid expansion, then you're gonna fall into the cracks, and basically you're gonna have to basically depend on the government to pay your tab anyway. But it'll be harder because uh, it'll be harder to do that because they don't have the complete funds for a single payer system or a Medicare based system. So it'll just be like, because remember, Medicare and Medicaid, they re- reimburse now at low, extremely, extremely low rates. So, you know, again, like, I probably already said this example. Um, but the way Buttigieg sees it is people on Affordable Care Act exchanges would see increased subsidies linked to gold level coverage instead of silver, even if gold plans only cover about 80% of costs. One example given is a 60-year-old in Iowa making $50,000 and currently paying $12,000. If she was on Buttigieg's plan, she'll be paying $4,000, which is tremendously more uh, I mean, tr- tremendously less than $12,000 annually in premium premiums. But when you think about it, dude, $4,000 in premiums is still a fucking a lot <laughs> for gold coverage. Uh, you know, under Sanders' plan, since it's going to be a progressive tax rate, at the end of the day, that person uh, in that same tax bracket, uh, that 60-year-old making 50000 a year, will only be paying 800 around like 900 or $800 per year because it'll be based off of a progressive percent income base. Because again, this is going to, this is a single pair system Bernie is vying for. So again, we're all going to be paying it. Well, we're all going to be paying into this single pair system. Uh, people up to $29,000 a year are exempt, though. From So from 29000 on down, they're exempt from uh, the tax. But, yeah, so, again, in each scenario, in, especially in individual scenarios, it, it just, it, it, it's kind of like Pete Buttigieg's uh, platform on healthcare is very holy. It, it, it doesn't really have any, like, say to why uh how they could get this automatic uh uh enrollment done uh and in the backstop fund is just not something uh basically it, it's not something strong enough or it doesn't really have like you can you guys can look it up um um I'm I might post like uh, the link to this to his plans under uh, a post that I'm doing to share the episode but uh yeah it's very holy and it doesn't really go into detail how people will be automatically uh put in so and it's it, and it's a lot of questions you just kind of ask yourself it's like bruh so it's like for all these people to go through this shit you just don't vibe for a single pair system and i kind of hate these people too it's like they what's up guys sorry for the second ad but this is extremely important if you want to start a podcast, a YouTube, or anything in the air that talks about leftist political discourse in any manner, please hit up the podcast. We want to start off something big. We want to make a community of us, a community of progressive organizers and progressive 
media influences. Uh, so if you really want to be a part and if you really want to step into this uh, battlefield of political commentary, please email the podcast at e to the podcast at gmail.com. That's e to the podcast at gmail.com. And we will send you some information about, you know, what we want to, you know, get started in, you know, Southeast Texas. So thank you guys so much. Very short ad. I told you back to the episode. Oh, yeah. Sorry for the technical difficulties. But I also hate when uh, people say that, like, you know, if we set up this dual system of Medicare for all who want it, um, people will naturally transition to um Everybody on private health insurance will naturally transition to a single-payer system. And that's just, I mean, not true. Like, it's not going to be a natural transition. Like, yeah, like, people are going to see that, you know, their private insurance is fucking them over. But, again, it will still have to be some form of, like, political process that we have to do with that. Where, we, um, where we're going to have to go into, like, budget uh, reconciliation to where, like, we're going to have to expand, uh, you know, the Medicare uh, that's, you know, or expand this government public option because it's not going to be at at start. It's not going to be big enough for you know everyone to be a part of it. So it's like you know I I hate these disingenuous debates that where like they just ask Bernie and Warren how they're going to pay for it, and then they never ask people to guess how they're going to pay for it. Are people like you know Joe Biden, and they never ask you know how like you know with Joe Biden there's still going to be like ten million people who aren't insured under the Biden plan, uh because you know. Uh, there'll still be people, and there'll still be there'll still be people who fall through those cracks who you know make too little to um, actually qualify for ACA. Um, but Pete Buttigieg is, I would say, Joe Biden. Joe Biden's is more solid, I guess, in 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 in, in explaining it. But Pete Buttigieg, yeah, it's it's really just this vague proposal of trying to take the public option. And Medicare for all and combine them when it really is just a poo version of a public option. Um, but yeah, that's an man, healthcare. I fucking that's why I, man, dude, I really want to debate people when it comes to like this healthcare issue. Um, because I don't have a problem with a multi payer system, it's just the politics that would have people have to kind of understand the political process that goes with that. It's not going to be an easy transition into single payer. Um, me personally, I do feel and uh, with my heart that a single payer system is just more viable, even though it's more ambitious. It, it, it's a more viable program, and at the end of the day, it's the cheapest program for Americans, uh, for everyday Americans. Um, again, um, healthcare shouldn't be a commodity; it's a human right. Uh, but another reason why I kind of don't like people to gauge, and this is just. To kind of sum it all up, uh, is because just the company that he kind of keeps around. Um, yeah, uh, there was this video of uh, Mayor Pete um, when he was running for uh, state treasurer. Um, he was just, you know, basically talking about, yeah, my party doesn't know about, like, you know, my, my party doesn't care about deficit spending. My party doesn't care about debt control. And it's like throughout his, like, tenures you kind of see him like switch up a lot like you know how he's medicare for all who want it now like he's like that now but there's like just this year he was like no single pair is the way single pair is the way and so what happened in the midst between that 
Tenet Healthcare happened. And if you guys don't know who Tenet Healthcare is, Tenet Healthcare is one of the biggest lobbyists, uh, lobbyist organizations for private healthcare, for private health insurance. They are also a part of these anti-Medicare for all ads. Now, the thing I've always, I hate when people look at like lobbying and shit and they look, and this is why I'm, I'm so up and down with Citizens United because it's like people look at lobbying and they don't have like this principled view when it comes to it. Um, if you don't see a problem with tenant healthcare, basically endorsing Pete Buttigieg, then I mean, that, that it's that's why it's I don't know about like Citizens United because look at it like this: when we're talking about gun rights and we're talking about um, why bills aren't being passed and uh, why comprehensive legislation is not being passed. Um, we have to look like, well, well, no, we, we always look and we say NRA, fuck it, NRA, uh, NRA lobbies the shit out of these Republicans and they, they're basically in the Republicans pocket. And so any, every, every single gun legislation or comprehensive gun reform we try to do, it never goes past because of these fucking lobbyists who are in our pocket. And I, I look at that same reasoning and I remember it and then apply it to situations like this when it comes to healthcare. And when you have literally anti Medicare for all ads running through during like during the CNN debates. It's like cause by that same NRA logic, we would apply that to this. Cause think about it. Donald Trump promised to bring down the price of pharmaceutical drugs. Did he do that? No. Soon as a a pharmaceutical lobbyist got in his face, he changed his mind. So when we're talking about do we really want a democracy that's for the people, we have to understand what we objectively mean when we don't want money in our elections. Because at a lot of times I see it like if you're not holding tenant health care and lobbyists from tenant health care are like lobbyists from McKinsey, which <laughs> people to get also work for. But if you're not holding these type of lobbyists accountable as much as like NRA, like you're, you're just not principal, bro. He's just not principal. And you could be like, well, one is about, like, guns, dude. So, like, calm down. Yeah, like, one is about guns, and one is about your fucking health. So, it's like, it's with both of them, it's still fucking life or death. So, it's like, I really, I really wish we can come to an objective principle of why we don't want money in our elections and what is money in the political process. What is money in elections and why we need to rid of it. Um, because if you... Support somebody who who has like a bunch of healthcare lobbyists on their team, then I mean it's the exact same thing as you know you critiquing a Republican because they have a bunch of uh, gun lobbyists on theirs. So please remember that. Um, and uh, just about like company, um, when you look at uh, the McKinsey report again, uh, for my people who are like kind of like leftist Twitter. We found out recently that Pete Buttigieg worked for McKinsey, which is a consulting firm. A consulting firm, and now this consulting firm has, you know, 
it, 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 it ain't, it ain't your mama and daddy consulting firm, whatever that fucking means. It's really, it's, it's high dollar, it's high, high dollar. And the reason why this might be an issue, um, well, I'm not going to say it. We're just going to go directly from the horse's mouth. The reason why this is an issue and why um, Pete Buttigieg uh, is an issue for Pete Buttigieg to work on uh, for uh, ha- would have worked for McKinsey is because McKinsey proposed ice cut spending on food and medical care for detained migrants to fucking reduce costs. Uh, consultants are going out to consult. That shouldn't be as shocking by now, but somehow we always seem to expect not the worst out of these August institutions of postgraduate Ivy League learning bullshitters. So in these same, so McKinsey and Company, this same consulting firm, firm played a fu- uh, uh, an, unfort- an, an unfortunate role in uh, Trump's administration uh, policy, and they recommended. McKinsey to they they recommended that ICE cut spending on food, Medicare, uh, medical care, uh, food and medical care for medical care for detained migrants to reduce costs. They did so. Oh my fucking god! So Pete Buttigieg worked for these people. <laughs> like he worked for these same people. Like oh shit, man, that's bad. Not that's bad, dude. That's bad. Like I'm, that's bad. That's very bad. And, oh, I have something from Wendell Porter, who used to be a corporate exec at McKinsey. Um, And this is also from his Twitter thread. Um, Breaking, as a former corporate exec who worked with McKinsey, I may be able to shed light on one of of Pete Buttigieg's unnamed McKinsey clients and why it's very significant in this campaign. No, I have not endorsed anyone in this race, nor do I uh, intend to. All right, so this guy is not, this is, uh, most likely this probably is uh, right-leaning independent, left-leaning independent. He doesn't really seem like somebody who's, like, politically, like, grounded or savvy. Um, and so he hasn't really, like, um, endorsed anybody. And so this is not, uh, uh, the reason why he said that uh, is to show that this is not just, like, all all right bash against Pete Buttigieg. This is just the objective inductions or, or, or the, the objective abductions that he came with. But here's Wendell Porter. When I was a health insurance exec, my CFO had McKinsey on retainer. Every year or so, especially when one division or another wasn't making enough profit, McKinsey would be brought to brought into uh, excess current uh, operations. Those of us who knew about McKinsey's involvement at our insurance corporation knew it would lead to cost cutting. That's consultant talk for laying off workers, offshoring, and hiking rates. The McKinsey efforts would have cold names because it had to be secret. Now, what does that have to do with Pete Buttigieg? In this description of McKinsey's work, he says he worked in Michigan at a health insurance provider performing analytical work, identifying savings in administrations and overhead costs. To an old to an old health insurance exec, those are cold words that roughly translate to cutting costs through layoffs, restructuring, and potentially denying health coverage to those in need. Um, important, you'll notice Pete Buttigieg describes his McKinsey insurance client as a nonprofit insurer. And this is my favorite part. So that means it's a different kind of company, right? Not necessarily. Now, we'll cut away. 
the reason why he say not necessarily is because non-profit insurers work exactly like for-profit insurers and I, I think he's going to go into detail onto why in fact you might not even be able to tell them apart he says uh, Blue Cross Blue Shield of Michigan is a non-profit health insurer that fits the description of the peep, of Pete Buttigieg's client. Its financials in 2007 were not great, which is when execs, call, execs calling firms like McKinsey to come up with tactics to get right on the ship, or to right the ship. Based on this article below, um, and uh, it, this is a Blue Cross uh, Blue Shield uh article talking about their finances and layoffs and whatever based on this article below um blue cross blue shield laid off hundreds of people increased premiums dramatically not long after those premiums increased likely to lead a lot of people losing their insurance if indeed the people to get campaign uh if indeed the people to get client was blue cross this report by attorney general of michigan in 2007 has a lot to offer the title profits over people the drive to privatize and destroy the social mission of blue cross and blue shield if it wasn't blue cross it has to have been some another big insurer like big big um because again mckenzie and company uh they they he says right here that they have a retainer of 50k a month. Um, why is this so relevant? He says to 2020. I'll leave analysis of Pete Buttigieg's transparency or his potential role in the rate hikes and layoffs to political experts. What I can speak to is how this experience might lead him to defend and protect health insurance companies now. Thank you, dude. <laughs> Thank you. So he's basically saying like, "Hey, bro, like when it comes to like uh uh." Pete Buttigieg's honesty, his record, um, uh, even, you know, what he did at McKinsey. When it comes to all of that, I'm going to leave that to the political experts because, you know, people are going to find that out. But he says, and I just said this, what I can speak to is how the experience might lead him to defend and protect health insurance companies now. Like what? Like Ted Cruz does with the NRA. Right, like John Corn does with the NRA, right? Or like Joe Manchin does with the fossil fuel industry, right? And I'm gonna go ahead and finish it off. He says, uh, Pete is fighting to preserve the role and profits of health insurance companies, spending huge sums on ads, slamming plans to rein them in. I'll be watching to see if my former insurance colleagues send him big campaign checks. He's probably one of the most favorite candidates. As I know firsthand, insurers intentionally deny coverage to Americans to hoard their profits. The result, the result is people dying and millions of medical bankruptcy. Pete's plan protects and preserves this very system. Now we may know why. So yeah, bro. Uh, people would get just fucking trash. And after all the shit I, 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 I've explained so far, like if you if 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 you still have any inkling of like why he shouldn't be electable, I'm gonna say this one last thing, and that one last thing is a name, Liz Smith. Make sure you guys go look it up. Liz Smith is actually uh, Pete Buttigieg's communications director. Now, funny thing about Liz Smith is that she has history with IDC. Who's IDC? 
uh, independent democratic caucus. This is, it was a group made, our caucus made in the, the state of New York, and it was basically made. The sole purpose of IDC was for Democratic lawmakers to keep Republicans in power. I'm not bullshitting you. For Democratic lawmakers to literally keep Republicans in power. Now, this is the same guy in order to win treasurer. He was talking about, hey, my, my party, my, my Democratic party doesn't know much. They, they need to learn about deficit spending, they need to learn about debt control, all that shit. So when people, when you see people say Pete Buttigieg is a Republican, that's just not from, from, from disdain of Pete Buttigieg. <laughs> that, that's from literal knowledge of that people around him are either Republican affiliated, uh, anti-Medicare for all. I mean, dude, it just goes down the list. So you know, there's no transparency when it comes to his donors. He actually, he has real lobbyists on his campaign. And some, that would be something we would clock anybody else for. When we think about a candidate who is electable, we have to think about a candidate who the people will enjoy and the people will like. Now, people, when we, you can say a lot about, you know, well, he's up in New Hampshire and Iowa in the early states. That's cool. But what, what, what you have to understand is that Pete Buttigieg had the most billionaire donors out of all the candidates. So wouldn't be strategically feasible, uh, strategically, um, uh, Strategically, uh, I'm trying to look for a a very pretentious word, but uh, strategically intelligent for him to focus those monies or those uh, capital, that that capital in the early states. And that's exactly what he did. He put all that money into the early states. That's why he's posed like shit anywhere else. When you talk about California, he posed absolutely like shit. (laughs) When you talk about uh, Atlanta, posed like shit. So don't look at, you know, what the media is feeding you or what the, the money is feeding you. Because according to YouTube, Mike Bloomberg actually has a chance of winning. Not by any pose or anything, but just how much you fucking see that guy's face. When you have money, you can buy the attention. But remember, let, let's talk about electability. Let's talk about who can actually beat Trump and what we need to beat Trump. We need a complete antithesis. Uh, a key, a, a complete antithesis. I mean, antithesis of what Trump uh, Trump is. We need a completely overhaul, uh, a, a complete opposite of what Trump is, and we need somebody who could galvanize on the level that Trump can. Pete Buttigieg can't get black people, can't get the black vote, can't. So are you expecting the black people, which are over 25% of the Democratic electorate, are you actually expecting him not to have any of that Democratic electorate and win against Trump? Or or, are you expecting, oh, well, once Pete Buttigieg wins the first state, uh, black people start signing? No, 
black people are very particular about social justice and who who is actually for them and who's actually against them. This guy has no fucking chance, man. No fucking chance. And then his politics are not grounded or in any form of ideology. He's not appeasing to any people. He's just dumping money in these first states so he can have somewhat of a chance. And then you know who his who who who's who who's donated to him? Hollywood billionaires. Again. So it's like if you want to protect the interests of the working class, totally vote for Pete Booty Gage because he does not care about the working class at all. Um, um thank you guys uh for listening to today's episode. I know it, it was very long. Um and if you like Pete Buttigieg, you know, this is nothing against you. Because it's like, uh, if, you would look, if you would just look up Pete Buttigieg's policies online, and if you just watch CNN, uh, and if you just hear him at the debates, Pete Buttigieg is a really nice candidate. But when you understand, you know, his record and his past and his history and, his, and, and you know, his company... You understand that there's more to Pete Buttigieg than a a gay veteran, you know. More to Pete Buttigieg than a gay veteran. Uh, But we spent a lot of time on this. So much time that my head hurts. So um, if you guys have any problems with this episode, (laughs) let me just say that. If you guys want to challenge me anything on what I said for this episode, please hit me up. I really like your opinion on this podcast, whether it's you being on here or it's just me saying are you or or, or me reiterating a point that you made so we can, you know, kind of like talk about it or hash it out. Um, But if you have any questions or suggestions, hit the podcast up at E2 the podcast on uh, Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. Um, that's E2 the podcast on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Uh, and thank you guys so much for listening to this long ass episode. Tell me how you feel. Tell me what you think. Um, this is going to be a series now. Well, a little mini series to where like, I'm going to go over, um, I'm going to try to do all the candidates, um, well, all the important candidates and, 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 and important includes like candidates who've been like in here for the long, uh, long run too. So I'm going to still do like candidates like Cory Booker, Tosi Gabbard, Andrew Yang. But I'm not, and probably Amy, no, I'm probably not. Uh, but uh, but I'm not going to do people like Mike Bloomberg. Definitely won't. But you can, y'all definitely could see this, this same episode type thing for Bernie Sanders. Because, you know, hey, man, you know, I'm voting for Bernie Sanders 100%. I love Bernie Sanders. But there's a lot of stuff that he needs to do in order to win. And... There's a lot of uh, things that I disagree with him. Um, not a lot, but there's some things I disagree with uh, Bernie about. And so I'm going to definitely make this video, too. Uh, I mean, not video, but uh, episode about him, too. So don't think it's just about the candidates that I don't like. Nah, we we going we gonna to be shooting at everybody. Everybody going to get it. Everybody going to get it. But uh, thank you guys so much uh, for listening to this podcast. And deuces, I'll leave off. <laughs>